Welcome to the SAP Experts Podcast. My name is Steven Spears. Great to be back with you for another episode together. Today's episode is a conversation about strategy and experience. I won't be reading passages from The Art of War, though that was a consideration. I'm joined by Adrian Nash. Adrian is the head of strategy for SAP Customer Experience. On this episode, we'll learn about the SAP Customer Experience strategy from Adrian and dive into his processes for developing a great strategy and also the experiences throughout his career that has led to this positioning that he uses to help strategize. I've said strategy a lot. I promise we don't use it as much during this episode. All of that on this episode of the SAP Experts Podcast. Adrian Ash. Adrian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Very happy to be here. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time. I'm curious to talk to you about a bunch of different things, but I'm curious how you got into the web design, web development world, because at the time, I'm sure that wasn't the normal path of everybody to, you go to high school, you go to college, and then you go work on websites, right? Yeah, it was was kind of uh, a series of fortunate events i guess <laughs> you know like um you know after college and uh, and actually i went to uni and, and and did that kind of you know mixed while i was working as well to get some work experience and um mm. and um I, the big plan was always to go into the into the air force because my dad was in the air force and um you know i was through the application process starting the application process of that but you know, at the same time, the local college that I went to, or the you know, was hiring for like um, a, a technician. Like it was, it was really, you know, solving like printer problems and computer problems. But also because it, there was a team of three, and it was like a couple of hundred people at the college, it was also like installing switches and servers and all of that stuff. So, mm-hmm. and and then I was as I was there. <clears throat> um, the government were and the EU uh, were investing in like you know learning platforms for schools because there wasn't really like virtual learning solutions. This was like ninety nine in the year two thousand. Uh, you know, so um, so they actually got headcount for like um, what they call a website link sort services coordinator. So mm. it was actually like the the first like web design they used to call them webmasters in those days right um, <laughs> i remember that yeah yeah and it wasn't a very well defined job because no one knew what it was so like <laughs> it was literally like here's a full time job you know improve our web presence and and you know i created like um like a ticket management system in in, cla- in a code called classic asp and i created like a a virtual learning environment um and the corporate uh webs or the the college website the college uh intranet and literally um i think the first version or the version of the intranet that i replaced had that many um what they used to call java applets that it used to slow down and freeze all of the computers you know so you used to <laughs> you move the mouse and like this the college logo used to follow you and it used to at christmas time it used to snow and, and <laughs> so, so so we had to we had to improve it and uh and uh you know make it a bit more modern at the time and you know so so that's like that was the first that was really like the first 
like uh, I guess role that I kind of you know changed my career pattern or my planned career pattern because I suddenly got hold of this web tech. I mm-hmm. I, I learned I self taught code in uh, and started building like you know friends would ask me to do sites and and we'd have like you know uh, kind of uh, uh, social sites and stuff like that and and it just became a, like a, a a passion really so that's where that's where the career started in in web development and web design and I was always a bit of a mix you know I could mm-hmm. do des- some level of design I could do some level of coding probably not the best at either one of those but together <laughs> it was actually a pretty good good skill set yeah, I mean, it sounds like it was kind of just a playground too. It, you, yes. you didn't get kind of tunneled into this is the world of web. Now you do this the rest of your life. You were like, oh, I can kind of do what I want here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It's like the weirdest, the weirdest start to a career that you could have. But you know, it was it was talking to people that had no idea what the web was, what web tech could do, and like I I created this like this file sharing thing for for students to upload their work to go from one computer to another so they didn't have to put a disc in the machine and, and people were just like whoa <laughs> <laughs> and this was 1990 and it was like uh you know just to create a folder like uh, and it was you know if i'd have actually thought about it you know like the ticket management system that i created for like i was in the it team and sat next to people and they would just get knocks on the door all the time like there's a computer wrong and and so I thought, there's got to be a better way to do this. So, like, okay, let me create a ticket management, like customer. It was customer. It was like the ticketing <laughs> solution. If only I'd have had the brains to think there's a commercial uh, solution here that I could, you know. So, but I wasn't that smart. So, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say your your file sharing basically explained Napster, right? I mean, yeah, you had Napster yeah, before yeah. Napster. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, weird time. Should have should have thought more commercially about those things. Yeah, I, I remember too the. <laughs> first time someone pointed me towards like LimeWire and yeah. I, I, I was like, so I'm just downloading this off the internet. And they're like, no, you're downloading it off someone else's computer that you don't know somewhere in a weird place, but it's what you would do instead of buying it. And I, and everybody yeah. was like, oh, this is gold. And then we all kind of realized that wasn't very legal uh, yeah. in a lot of cases. So I can yeah. imagine that excitement. That was just, you know, mid two thousands. I can imagine at that time it's like, wait a minute, just to pass it right through these computers here. That's huge. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was, it was, you know, but, but uh, that it, it laid a good foundation, you know, because it was like really like all the way up from building computers, installing servers, switches, and, and we were part of the academic network of the, of the UK. So we, you know, when most people were on like modems and, and, we had like a two meg sounds stupid now, but two meg like fiber cable into the into the into the the college, and it just felt lightning fast, you know, so it was <laughs> like a it was really like uh you know it was it was before a lot of the like you know technology kind of innovated quite fast from that from that moment onwards, but it was nice to be at that edge, you know uh, and talking about like the Janet network, which is the academic network and the infrastructure in the u k for academic networks, which you know um was great to be part of yeah oh and and I noticed too, as I was kind of looking through your background and things that you started to get your feet wet with the customer experience side of things, customer experience management, a company called Tea Leaf Technology, which I thought was an interesting name for a company. 
uh, <laughs> and, and exciting. But I, yeah. I was curious what it was like uh, to go from that background of helping develop just the web to now working on CX products in like 2011. Like, what was that like working on them at that time? Yeah, so so you know from from like the early stages of like development, and then I went into more serious development at like you know companies that created solutions for like Arco, like the petroleum sites at the time, like BP and and, and Arco and the American Petroleum Institute for like safety training, and 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 I created the uh, in in probably two thousand two thousand three two thousand four. Like if you arrived at a gas station, sorry, it's a gas station or a petrol station, no matter this, depending on when you are. Yeah. If you turned up and you're there to fix stuff, you'd have to phone up an, a, a voice system and put in your safety code to show that you've been through the training. Um, so it was like, you know, I was in development, I think for pure development for like nine years. And, and then I, I, I knew that I really enjoyed the customer parts of the of like the discovery of the, of the development project. So someone approached me about consulting, um, and consulting still had development, but it also you know had like you know uh, uh, kind of the the work, uh, lots of working with customers, more more nurturing and training. Mm-hmm. Um, and after doing that in the content management space for a company called Alterian. Um, which was like a content management solution. I moved to a company called Tea Leaf, um, which is based in San Francisco. It's a, it was um, it was a company that eventually got bought by IBM, and it's still uh, you know kind of implemented today, mm. and and still grows it as part of. I think it's Acoustic or HDL or, or a mixture of both. But basically, Tea Leaf was like. Um, in the days where you used to have, where you used to, all organizations used to host their websites on infrastructure in their in their data centers, right? So everyone had a data center, everyone hosted their web apps and, and websites. Uh, you know, so if you were like Emirates Airlines, you would have like a data center that you would house your websites on. Mm-hmm. And what Tea Leaf did is, is it sat between the customer and the website and it used to uh, basically duplicate all of the traffic um, so that you could replay sessions that customers have to find points of struggle. Mm. So very quickly, you could install Tea Leaf and see that there's a checkout problem, for example. Like you replayed some sessions and started to see an error code come up and it was like, you know, you failed transaction because of X, Y, and Z. And you could put an event behind it so that it started to detect how big the problem was. So, you know, within within like three days of implementing some of the that technology, you would find the complete return on investment. You know, it might be you but you pay this much for the technology, but within three days we found like six problems with your checkout processes that need to be fixed. And then you start to see the improvement of the checkout process kind of running. So this was this was like a mind shift from writing lines of code to being pragmatic to understand the the fact that there were hundreds of different customer journeys right <laughs> so <laughs> you try to map out a, what a standard customer journey is and then you very quickly realize that people aren't like that you know they have their you know they they'll start through the checkout process and then suddenly disappear back to product pages and and then go to the contact page and then back to the product but you know and 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 all of those things so you know understanding that broad kind of uh, behavior trying to map it out to put some 
analytics behind it so that you could spot when it's good or when it's bad you know that was kind of tea leaf and that's uh, and then you know tea leaf got acquired by ibm in the end yeah how how shocking was that for you at the time to all of a sudden now be able to see all this work we were doing on the back end now oh they're not using this at all what like we were thinking was that as shocking as it sounds like it would be yeah it was you know because i think as a when you're a developer you're like um uh, or, or at least in those days, I think we've got lots better in thinking, you know, trying to understand possible customer or, or end user experiences. But I think in those days, like as a developer, you always think, well, obviously someone's going to get to this stage and only click this button. You know, there's no reason why I need to put a back to the to this point of time. There's no never, no one would. But you can't think of all possible kind of combinations and and the realization that most people have a unique journey themselves actually still resonates today because I think even if you take if you step back from the, the web channel, like. It, and, and and add in the mix that you can get emails now from brands and 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 the fact that you can you know you can chat to a chatbot or chat to a person or walk in store or or sign up to a loyalty app and all of those things right you know the more options you have the more possible chance that each customer is having something truly unique and you need to meet that expectation of being able to do whatever you can at any point in time i think that's that was a good step in the process of that understanding, right? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure, especially, uh, and you can tell that you had that passion for customer experience when you were talking about just wanting the screen to show Christmas. Uh, and trees snowing when they got on there, so you can see the roots of it, right? <laughs> <laughs> you see the roots of it, like I don't. Maybe maybe it wasn't balanced, you know, like oh, my computer's like twenty percent slower now because of the the, the snow effects. But you know, it, it felt felt different. It felt good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and you and it's perfect because you started to touch on really kind of where we're going with this of, of mm-hmm. where customer experience is now uh, mm-hmm. from a strategic uh, perspective. So I wanted to fast forward a bit from that time at Tea Leaf to now you're transitioning from head of product for SAP's customer data solutions. Mm-hmm. to head of strategy for all of CX. How did you prepare to take that on and and kind of shift your mindset or did you have to shift your mindset to, to make that transition? I think one of the good things actually is that if you think about customer experience as, a, as an area or of like a subject matter area to think about, in, in, in essence, a lot of that is related to data, right? It's like, data and process and journeys and the customer like it's like a layer cake of you know technology is only like the bottom it's only the bottom piece right you can't Mm -hmm. technology will help you do stuff but you still need people and you need processes and you need like um customers in the end right so (laughs) so like i think coming from the customer data perspective where you know i'd spent uh, since 2014, really around customer identity, consent. So I was understanding like data and consent and preferences and, and the GDPR and like first party data engagements and then moving to the CDP, defining what the CDP should look like for, you know, for SAP and then seeing it through that first six months of like development with Guy who leads that team from a, a you know product and engi- who leads the customer data solutions now and um and I think 
the good thing transitioning into the head of strategy role from the head of product role was it was a good place to come from to to think more broadly because if you think about if you think about data solutions as a whole like customer data solutions whether that's a customer data platform a customer identity solution customer consent or da- data privacy solution they're already across a layer across other solutions so you have to think more broadly about a like an ecosystem whereas you know a lot of the technology companies that especially startups or independent companies today they always draw themselves in the middle because they're the center of their narrative right they're they're the center of their world and they build everything around the edges whereas if you're in a customer data background you know that there's a layer there like there's an ecosystem around these things and you need to understand that ecosystem so i think um you know moving into strategy obviously i come from a a background of gig at gigia we were a b2b business we served mostly b2c um organizations at the time uh, and, and evolved over time mm-hmm. um but what i did have to find is you know to kind of trying to balance this the the approaches to from b2b to b2c to direct to consumer and trying to have those as my native tongue as opposed to just thinking about d2c you know direct to consumer kind of yeah. you know customer expectations and channels and all of these things like instagram and you know uh, kind of uh, <laughs> facebook shops and stuff but you have to think more broadly about you know the different applications of customer experience solutions so it might be like you're selling to a wholesaler it might be that you're selling to you know you're a high tech company selling to other businesses and and like how you support so customer means so much more than or or different things depending on which organization you're talking to and that that was like a bit of evolution and 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 thought process to evolve that way of thinking yeah what what did you do to kind of expose yourself to all those different ways of thinking and all that because because i i I find myself too a lot of times you get (laughs) thought in the mindset of me as the consumer and and it's hard to think okay well unless i'm on instagram but then also involved in a six-month you know rfp uh, project at work too, then I really yeah. don't know all these perspectives. Um, yeah. So, so what did you do to kind of get yourself educated or, or kind of help shift that mindset? Did you do anything in particular? So I think, it, it, you know, it, it was finding the right people, you know, within SP and externally that, that live and breathe those different perspectives so that you can build a network of like, you know, of like um, advisors and just like, you know, conversationalists so that you can learn from what you're doing. But also, you know, from the days from my time in in, in working in tech, I also, you know, have lots of friends and that I've, you know, made over the years that are now in other companies. And it was like, you know, talk me through your, you know, your B2B process. You're like, how do you acquire a new customer? How do you start? How do you build that awareness? And how do you nurture that awareness into like a a prospect or you know and how do you qualify that from a sales perspective what happens at each stage if they're not ready you know um you know if you think about something like that like how do i get new customers in b2c it's like you know how do i how do i effectively look for the right customers on the right channels and nurture them into into my digital properties and you know personalize and hopefully nurture them into like um, maybe that that first sale but then how do i continue to to nurture that customer in a b2b 
you know, cycle it. It could be that the the as a buyer in a business uh, scenario, you've done a lot of the research yourself already, and you're coming to, you know, you you maybe join a webinar, you download a white paper, you you know you you um, you show some intent, and you might have done some research. You might have spoken to analysts like IDC, like Gartner, like Forrester. You might be looking at peer insights and all of these things, and you're ready to talk to someone at that point of time. You know, so. Like, I think it's trying to, the good thing about Gigia was I was part of the um, Patrick Salia's leadership team, who was the CEO of Gigia. And if you think, you have to relate, like, how did we do it? How did we want to build a business at Gigia? You know, like, what were, how did we nurture the sales pipeline? How do we report on it? How did we, what were the gaps? You know, if I, I remember we were using a CRM system and I remember having the conversation, like, this data is only as good as the salespeople are updating it, right? <laughs> you know, I've lived this. And you have to live, re- you know, if you can relate like real t- real challenges to back to technology and the stuff yeah. that, you know, we talk about today, you know, then it, it helps having that experience, I think. Yeah, no. And I'm sure that was an animal to try to put together a strategy for an entire portfolio with all these different types of motions. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, that just, just talking through it, every single part of the CX has a different element to it. So I'm curious, uh, is there kind of a one standard strategy that you, you've put together for CX or is it really pretty nuanced on on depending on use cases and things like that? Yeah, so there's like you know, like um, uh, I guess it's a definition challenge, right? You know, uh, you you kind of have multiple levels of definition. Like your your low resolution version is like across all of it, right? You know, like what do we what do we need to do? We we really need to help businesses be ready for that engagement at any point of time. You know, like that's like that's like you know, the low resolution version. And then you can go through layers of, okay, you know, I'm a business that sells to other businesses or, to, you know, to, to, to wholesalers. I'm a B2B to C I'm a, in this industry, you know, and that's very different to a B a direct to consumer business in this industry. And, and these are the challenges. So it's not easy. And, and even as like a, you know, a position of, of being leading strategy, you're never going to know everything. So it's about building your network of people that you can bring into the conversation to add that another level of detail that's part of the overall strategy. So, you know, I think it's a, um, a resolution challenge, you know, as you get down to, you know, um, and it should always, you know, become a solution in the end, as opposed to like, oh, this feature's got this checkbox and stuff like that. I never get into that detail, right? Um, yeah. uh, you know, I trust the product management team in, in in SAP that, you know, we're understanding the strategy and then implementing whatever is needed to then be part of that overall bigger picture. Yeah. Coming back to that, you know, we just want snow and Christmas trees on the screen when you finish your yeah. purchase. We'll yeah. figure out what tools you need to do that, but that's what people want, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and actually, there's a there's a good example, right? So, I started um, I started working my probably my first development company, my serious development company after the college, and and I knew, knew I had to take things seriously and and do a lot of research and and, and insight. And basically, there was a, a senior developer that had been there before that was before I was there, and he'd spent six months uh, connecting up this this um, basically you could record. You could phone up and say, my 
my petrol pumpers, my gas station pumpers is is not working. I need someone out here to fix it. These are the details. Mm-hmm. And it would record it and put it into a, a, a web-based system so you could click play. And it was about half an hour before we were presenting to the end customer. And the CEO of that company at the time said, you know, I was literally day two. It was like, can you put, can you make that button a little better? And and basically I put like, I did a smiley face with a, with a, a, a like a workman's, um, like a safety hat that was just slightly like on the edge. Off and, <laughs> and we went in, yeah, off center. And we, we went into that meeting and um, the client was like, oh, look at that. Look, you've done a button there. Uh, that's brilliant. That's br- absolutely brilliant. We love it. We absolutely love it. And and no one mentioned the technology behind it, right? That it had taken six months to get the recording, you know? And, and I think... I think this is like uh, you know a lesson, a lesson that I learned early on. You know, it's like um, you need to focus on you know on on solving the actual problem without like going into the technical details. Like the technical details are like not that impressive if you're not into that into that technology. But what you do appreciate, especially if you're a business user, is like how it's presented, how it's kind of functions, how it flows. And, you know, so, so UX is very important and, uh, and, and just the solution to the problem, not necessarily the technical path to get there. That's interesting. Like, like everybody wants to know all the details of how Die Hard was made, but nobody wants to know all the details of how the first scary movie was made it, it, because, you know, one gave them a much better experience watching a movie than the other. Uh, yeah. And at the end, it's a person, technology, and then another person. So it, you, you're kind yeah. of connecting those two people. So yeah, exactly. coming back to the SAP CX side of things, uh, mm-hmm. what do you see as the key elements of the, the CX strategy, whether that's the products, how those play together, mm-hmm. other factors? Uh, what do you see as the key elements? Yeah, I think it, it, comes, down, it comes down to like... Um, like an acceleration that we've seen of a trend that was already happening, right? You know, like, and and this is good because you can tie it back to like your own engagements, right? Mm. In the end, you want to choose when to engage with a brand and interact with that brand. And your expectation is that, that, that over time, that brand, that company knows you better, right? So they can better serve you when you choose to engage. And I think like, this is this is the key thing of like, how we're building out the portfolio. It's really like there's an interaction from the customer and there's an engagement that a brand has. And that's almost like a conversation, right? Like the interaction comes from the customer to the brand um, and the customer chooses to do that, right? They they choose and, and, and the company then offer that kind of engagement, um, but on the customer's terms. Mm-hmm. And over time, you have to understand the customer better, right? So you've got these interactions, these engagements, and hopefully that's building more history and more context to that customer so that ultimately you can power better moments of engagement and i think this is this is the our portfolio right you know we have the understanding piece over time that continues to gain relevance and and that's really the customer data solutions like the customer data platform that's the whole point of a customer data platform in the end is to gather the history of what's happened so that the next time you choose to engage with a brand or the get the brand engages with with you as a consumer on your your preferred channels or your preferred time or whatever it is that you have the most relevant 
insight to make the best decision and action. So you've got these interaction and engagement pieces, which like interacting on a commerce um, in an e-commerce environment or, you know, walking into the store and using a loyalty app or opening up a push notification that's in, you know, that's offering you a coupon code. And that understanding piece then powers the next time that you that you engage with that brand, a more relevant engagement. And that could be in a, you know, customer service engagement. It could be the fact that your that your sales rep gives you a call and says, you know, we can see that you're you know that you're run you're running low on this and we can see that typically this time of year th- there's a need for this and you know we can see that your business is pivoting to look at these kind of things you know so it's really like a layer a, a layered thing like you've got the engagement solution systems of engagement system of understanding and then the system of you know fulfilling that promise of connecting into the back office and i think that's what makes sap kind of gives SAP a unique opportunity in the market. It's the the transparency of then once you've made that decision, like how can we expose what's happening across the supply chain, across the billing and subscription, you know, all of these things into the transparent way to connect and engage or interact with the customer. Yeah. And it sounds like, and you could tell me if I'm I'm misinterpreting this, but it it really is like giving a one-to-one uh, experience. Like if I walked into the local bakery store down the street and, you know, they knew everything I'd purchased from coming in there. Every time I was in there, I got the, you know, the one-to-one interaction of, oh, well, we know you, you like sourdough, uh, but we also have this new brand of sourdough to try. And that can happen one-to-one, but then how do you take that and do it for thousands and millions of people? Uh, yeah. It sounds like that's kind of what what's happening here is how do we create that feeling like it's just me and you at transacting, but then do that so everybody feels like it's just me and you transacting. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. Like in the end, it's not that much different than you know, say, you know, a hundred years ago when you when you had one option, right? You went into the local shop and they knew you, they knew your family, they. They knew when when you know maybe new new stuff came into the store. Oh, this would be for that person because they you know like this kind of thing. In the end, it's about like building that relationship by knowing, right? And 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 in today's technology or today's you know options that we have as consumers or or customers, um, you know, ultimately what we want is first of all we want it you know on our terms. We want everything. You know, I want to be feel like I'm in control because, in the end, my data is owned by me, right? It's not something that the brand owns or the company owns. It's something that I own as a person, right? It's my identity. I own, you know, and I don't expect to, to for a brand to surprise me in ways that I'm not expecting to be treated. So, it's like me in control. You know, I want the 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 brand to treat me like a person like that individual that I that I am mm-hmm. and my expectation is but that's a very big challenge for those enterprises right how do I reach that expectation when I know that that customer can choose any point or any type of interaction they might message my social team on 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 Twitter or you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so it's all unfortunately it's not very complex right the problem that we're trying to solve it's a problem of scale, like you said. You know, how do we get? How do we reach that personalized relationship 
on the terms of the customer at scale. And that's ultimately what customer experience and CRM is. You know, it's it's trying to 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 create those relationships. Yeah, because nobody wants to hear, look, you know, uh, I can't help you out that much because you're one of my 600,000 customers. I'm sorry. No, you know, nobody wants to hear that. (laughs) It's the reality, but nobody wants to hear it blatantly, you know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's, that's funny. So, uh, and oddly coming back to the diehard reference, because I noticed uh, that you had uh, a Christmas sweater that, that says diehard is a Christmas movie. Was that correct? Did I, did I notice that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. That was right. Yeah. That was, yeah. 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 And Die Hard is a Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah, well, I, <laughs> I promise. I, I promise. I'm going somewhere with this, other than just to debate that topic. Because uh, <laughs> I was going to say that's that's a very controversial topic. Because it seems like everyone you talk to has got a different thought on it. Um, I, I'm curious when it comes to CX, if there's any controversial ideas, topics that you've come across that you hold steady to that. It's still everybody's got a different thought on it, but for you, it's almost unquestionable that this is something important to CX. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, I think you can see lots of different organizations taking different approaches to privacy, right? Some some see it as like a, a tax that they have mm-hmm. to kind of comply with to be, you know, to be kind of compliant. And they see it as a like, oh, I wish we didn't have to do this. We have to do the minimal, but we're still going to try and find ways around it. To, to you know, I, I, you see a lot of the changes upcoming around like you know third party cookies, and there's there's organizations like companies out there that are trying to find ways around it and build. But I think it's like it's different than that, right? I see. I I strongly believe it's as much of an opportunity as it is a risk to a business, right? To ultimately, if you think when you meet a new person, right, you don't go into a conversation thinking I'm going to, I fully trust you, you know, you're, you're going to be one of my lifelong friends and I'm going to talk to you always, you know, you, uh, a relationship if you really break down a relationship it's like it builds up over time and it builds up with a few things like relevance like does the person is the is the person interested in the same things that I am do we have interesting conversation do I trust the person you know I, tr- I trust the you, you know I trust them I can share share my ideas and my my you know my stories with them and they're not going to go and you know uh, live stream it onto Facebook um and you know, so like in the end, like customer experience isn't that complex, right? It's about if you think about like how we build relationships, you need to translate in that into how companies can build re- relationships, but using the same principles. So I'm pretty, I, 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 I really believe that the those companies that can build transparent and trusted relationships by going beyond just the regulation, like don't worry. This is why we're collecting the data. This is why the opportunity that we have, you know, or, you know, this has just happened on the, you know, this has just happened. We wanted to let you know, like, I think the more transparent, the more open that you can be, the more trust that is built and therefore the better relationships and more longer term relationships that you can build. And you can tell that that's not in the DNA of some organizations because they didn't talk about it in that way. You know, they like, Oh, and don't worry, we're GDPR compliant. You know, it's that. So, so I think that, that kind of 
I feel quite strongly about like trust being at the core of, you know, what you need to do in a CX strategy. That's fascinating too. And and it has a play into your day-to-day too, probably, because, you know, as you're talking to these different stakeholders and, and things like that, transparency is huge for you because if we're talking about, you know, uh, one aspect of, uh, you know, marketing communications and whoever your trusted advisor is on how, how their customers want to interact with them over email. Uh, if, if it's not real transparency, it's just, well, I'm just checking that box off for Adrian. Uh, here's what we got. <laughs> Nobody wins in the end. Then people yeah. still get terrible emails that they don't want and things like that. So it really ties into how you just run your business too, in a way. Yeah. 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 It's like, um, it's like, uh, you know, that this is the difference between saying that you're going to be customer centric and being customer centric, you know, like, customer centricity in the end, like we've been talking about it for many years, like tens of years, I would imagine. But the the thing about customer centricity, for example, is it needs all those attributes of trust and transparency. But it, the, the reality is that the whole business needs to be centered around the customer. You know, the way that you onboard new staff members, the way that you supply channel is, or your digital supply chain is transparent about what's happening at every stage, you know, the 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 fact that you'll build and 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 like at this frequency and this is what happened you know to these are the tickets this is the the service agent that's going to come out and fix your you know your your equipment this is um this is the the analytics that we have on top of the, the you know so it's it's like um uh like you say it's, it requires you know, transparency, it requires like anchoring around something as an organization. And I think that's how you you become more successful and more customer centric. Yeah. So I, I'm very curious from from your perspective on on how you're taking the, the strategy and then uh, really rolling it out, seeing how it's being adopted across the organization, but then also how you, how you validate. Cause I feel like that's also a tough part of a strategizing is it is a strategy until it's validated. Right. So yeah. I'm, I'm curious to get your perspective on, on what's some best practices or ways that you're uh, doing that or, or planning to do that. Yeah. And I, I think um, <clears throat> there's, there's multiple ways to do it. Right. And, and there isn't just one way of doing it. You know, there's like um, the way that you build a strategy in the end is like, you use multiple different um, influences, I would say, like your your own experiences, your your knowledge of the industry, peers, and what they think, are, you know, a kind of happening, and where they think that there, you know, there's going to be investments, but also like industry analysts and and more, you know, even like like there's some more independent analysts out there that. That have been in the space a long time, and 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 you know, uh, it's like having Esteban, who's who's part of the SAP team, right? And and mm-hmm. you know, I, I he was part of my team for a little bit of time, and it was um, I was doing some research into a topic, and and was reading this great article. It was really great, really resonated. And then I looked at, oh, it was by Esteban, and it was ten <laughs> years ago. It was like, oh, I feel really good. Um, <laughs> so I think. <laughs> outside influence is one of the most critical elements right like what's happening in the industry 
what are we seeing from like analysts, from influencers, from independent analysts, uh, uh, but also what you're seeing from customers, spending as much time with customers to understand their business challenges, and then drawing it into like a, you know, like a, a strategy that you then work with the, the internal SAP leadership team on to say like, this is what I think we should do. This is why I think we should do it. And listening to feedback at that point. And then one of the biggest challenges, and I think it doesn't matter whether you're SAP or whether you're you're implementing technology or whether you're serving directly customers, like uh, strategy is never one and done, right? It's a continuous process and conversation. Like if you do one all hands a year and say, this is our strategy for this year, and then you you get to month 10 and ask anyone what their strategy, what the strategy is, you, you're not going to have a good result. And people consume information in different ways so like internally within the strategy team we tried to do like use different mediums and we're trying to think of more like gamification tools to understand the strategy like you know presentations that we do with small groups or all hands meetings documents that they can read or you know that people can read or like you know recorded presentations whiteboard exercises so with a strategy you're never done right um it's a can continuously evolving process and i would say you know pretty much after every meeting that i that i do with a customer or a prospect or a, an analyst there's something that gets tweaked along that that way right so you know the the content that i have slightly fine tunes and 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 kind of you know evolves over time but i think with strategy you can't you can't very often make big changes, right? Like uh, it's like driving, uh, you know, like uh, being the, ca- the, the on a on a ship and being the navigator, and you suddenly do <laughs> this, right? You know, you can't keep on doing that because uh, you know it's not a good experience. But um, so I think you know, there's it's a continuous process, uh, continuous learning. I I don't know everything. I ne- will never know everything. I'm, <laughs> I'm a I, I'm I'm better in some areas than others, and it's continuous process of learning and changing. Well, I, you were very firm on one thing you do know, and that is that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Uh, yeah. So uh, some things are more certain than others, right? <laughs> it's like Love Actually in in our house is like a, a very a very British Christmas movie, but it goes on every time of year. But like, uh, I guess that is really a Christmas movie, though. It's got lots of Christmas songs <laughs> in it. But um, I'll, I'll have to check that out. I haven't actually seen Love Actually, so ah, oh, there you go. It might, it it might not have year. aged well, but. <laughs> That is a whole nother conversation of movies <laughs> and have they aged? Uh, we can go down another rabbit hole there. Uh, well, yeah, I, 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 I appreciate you taking the time, Adrian. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you. <laughs>